Hello and welcome to Inspired Mind Podcast. As you connect with our content, we hope that you'll be inspired to grow and develop a better you. Please be encouraged to share this with others. Happy growing. Amen. I'm going to be looking at today's teaching from what I called God's presence in trying times. Last week we talked about the importance of having Christ in the midst of your crisis. And today we're going to be looking at another way that we can survive through this trying time. And I know that there's no better message that you need in a season like this, like this message. You know, I, I typically love to do character studies in the Bible. And when I was trusting the Holy Spirit to inspire me on, on the right teaching for this season, um, the Lord led me straight to the case of Joseph. And now, if you want to know somebody who, who moved from trials to triumph, Joseph is an example in the Bible. And if you read the whole of Genesis 30, 39 or 37, start from 37, you see a lot about Joseph. Um, let me back up a little bit and, you know, shine a little light into Joseph. Joseph was the 11th child of, of Jacob, of the 12 children of Jacob. And... Um, not only was he so loved by his father, he was the favorite. But also, the Bible made us to see Joseph in another light, which uh, might not be too much interesting for us to know, that he was snitching on his brothers. Uh, and, and that really led to him being hated by them. You know? But one of the things that, as I began to study on the life of Joseph's, one of the things that I began to notice is how Joseph was able to go through the process of the various levels of trial, starting from his own father's house to his experiences in Egypt. And there's only one thing that is worth noting in the experiences of Joseph, and that's the fact that the Lord was with Joseph all the time. You know, he was somebody who went about and experienced so much of God's presence in his life. Which is one of the things that is going to make us stand out as believers. Let me tell you something. As a believer, this, the, 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 the world has expectations of us. God himself has expectations of us. And we should have expectations by ourselves. Because, you see, when everybody is going through crisis, it's expected that as a believer, our responses must be different. Our attitude in a season like this must be different. Let me ask you this. What's your attitude in this period? How are you responding? Is everything troubling you so much and you are beginning to go into depression? Are you getting too worried? Is there so much anxiety with, affecting you right now? What are you going through? I pray that at the end of today's teaching, um, the Lord will speak to you in a different way in Jesus' name. I'm look, let me read quickly from the book of Genesis 39, verse 1 to 2. You know, the Bible said, after, just like um, I was trying to take you back to the story of Joseph, after a very long time and so many encounters, Joseph the dreamer dreamt and told his brothers his dream. The hatred grew from there. 
And, you know, they just had to do something horrible to their own brother. They sold him out. And Joseph found himself in Egypt. And in 39 verse 1 to 2, the scripture said, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was, cap was, was the captain guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. In verse 2, he says, The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. The key leverage in the life of Joseph, even in the times of his trials, was the presence of God that went with him all over the place. The presence of God that went with him. You know, I like, I like this TV program called um, The Hex Factor. Um, I don't know if many of you like, um, I've, I've seen that program. Now, the S Factor is like a, is, um, is a competitive um, program where a group of talented people will come out and, and exhibit their talents in their various ways. And the judges, the job of the judges is just to come, out, come up with the best, uh, somebody with the extra factor among these people. So when I was reading the life of Joseph, I realized that the extra factor in the life of Joseph was the spirit of God that was heavy in his life. Joseph was a carrier of the Holy Spirit. He was a carrier of God's presence everywhere he went. Now, he succeeded even in the house of Potiphar, his master. In Genesis 39, verse 22 to 23, the Bible said before long, that was how, why he was in the house of Potiphar, so, so much happened. He got into trouble with the wife of Potiphar who wanted Joseph to, you know, to have an affair with him and, I mean, with her. And, she, and he, he totally refused. And because of that, he got into trouble. He was framed. And just to cut the story short, he was sent out of that place and he was imprisoned. And when he got into the prison again, which was another level of trial entirely, some of you are in the worst prison of your life right now in this crisis. But the Bible said the spirit of the Lord was with Joseph, even in that place. If we look at 39, verse 22 to 23, it said, Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. And in the last part of that scripture, it says the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Joseph enjoyed the presence of the Lord and that made a difference in his life. Brethren, I'm just here just trying to bring you good news and the word of hope. Now because you are a carrier of God's presence, because the spirit of the Lord lives inside of you, there is hope for you even in this time of trials. You know, there, you, you know, there are three levels of God's presence than the way it manifests in our life. The, the first one is the omnipotent presence of God, where God is everywhere, as the scripture said. The other one is what I call the cultivated presence of God. The one that pulls God closer when you get closer to him. The, the scripture says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And we also, from time to time, we enjoy the manifested presence of God. Just like the one we experience in times of revival. When we all gather together as believers and just lift up his name. 
there is nothing like the presence of Jesus. The presence of the Most High God is the power that we need to survive in a time like this. So I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, and one of the things that is important for us to know at this time is that consciousness that we are carriers of his presence. You know, um, as believers, one of the promises that the, 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 that the Lord gave to us was the fact that he was going to be with us. Let me, let me quickly read something to you in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 18. It says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, that the spirit of God lives in you God will destroy anyone who destroys his temple for God's temple is holy and you are the temple. God is ready to fight your battle. God is ready to represent you. God is ready to take charge of the situations of your life because you are God's property. God is guiding you jealously and God is doing everything possible to protect you. Can I get you to just be conscious of this in times like this? I know that things look so tight. I know that things look so bad. I know that you are having the Joseph experience in your life right now. But there was one factor that separated Joseph and his experiences from that of anybody else. And that was the presence of God. And that's what we need in a time like this. You need to walk boldly in the midst of your trial knowing that the one who is standing and who is representing and who is holding you it's bigger than any problem you can imagine. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, I want you to, to be able to understand that in this season, even if everything is taken away, at a point in the life of Joseph, everything was stripped away from him. Joseph was very comfortable. He was, he was, he was the son of, of a very rich family. Um, as the scripture described Jacob and, and everything that Joseph needed he had it with his father but he was stripped off of everything I think the last thing that was taken away from him was his coat of many colors that was removed from him at the point when they were disposing him out but the only thing that nobody could take away from Joseph was God's presence I don't know what the current situation or current global challenges are brought or has taken away from your life I just want you to understand that there's one thing if there's only one thing that you are left with if the spirit of God is still in you if you are still holding on and abiding in the presence of the most high God everything else will fall in line for you in Jesus name I just want you to be encouraged wherever you are hallelujah Hallelujah. And not, now, one of the things that stood Joseph out, um, he, he wasn't only conscious of the fact that he was the carrier of God's blessings and God's presence with him, but also he did everything possible to abide in that presence. You know, one thing is for us to be carriers of God's presence. Another thing is for us to be conscious and begin to do things in our life that we continue to tie us and connect us closer to our father. You know, one of the things that Joseph did, um, in, especially in the, in the issue of uh, Potiphar's wife, I remember then when um, the scripture gave us the picture of what happened at that scene when he was being lured. Now, now the response of Joseph showed 
that of somebody who is conscious of God's spirit in him. I'll read that to you quickly from, um, from the book of Genesis 39 verse 9. You know, Joseph was well-mannered, he was well-trained, he was well-groomed, he, well he was a cool guy. And I'm not surprised that got him into trouble. Amen. But when he was faced with that challenge, this is what Joseph had to say. He said, no one here has more authority than I do. He has, he's talking about his master now. He has heard back nothing from me except you telling the woman, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God, the Father. Joseph was concerned of his relationship with God. Even in time like this, when everything seems to be separating you, even from church, from, from your, your faith, how are you coping? Is this the, is this, is this the right time to, to do anything and just say, you know what, I, I don't care what happens? Even at that point, Joseph was very sure. Joseph was focused on his relationship with God. And Joseph said, I would not do this because I'm going to sin against God. What is it in your case? Hallelujah. How did he do it? I'm going to quickly take you through some steps on how to abide in God's presence. We all enjoy God's presence. Now, now I know you're sitting down there and just asking yourself, but Pastor, do I carry God's presence in my life. But the scripture just told you that God lives in you because you are a believer, because Jesus, you, you, Jesus died for you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So you are a carrier of his presence. But how do we keep, how do we abide in his presence? Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to quickly run into it. One of the first ways that you abide in God's presence is to continue to seek the face of God. God is always leaning towards those that seek him. In the, the, the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews said that he's a rewarder. The book of Hebrews 11, 14. He said he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So for us to continue to abide in God's presence, we have to be seekers. We have to seek God. We have to look for his face. We have to connect our life to every dictate of God and everything that he said in his word. Of course, number two is for you to stay obedient. We have to stay in obedience. Let me tell you at the beginning, um, if, we take, if we look at the story of the Garden of Eden, the first thing that separated man from the presence of God was sin, the sin of disobedience. I know in the, the Bible recorded that the moment they disobeyed God, they, 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 they could not stand his presence. They, could, they lost their peace. They began to hide. You see, a lot of time, what, even when his presence is available and is always there for us, we are always hiding from God when we know that our life is not standing right. And that's why in this period, while why we're going through these challenges of life, you want God to come through for you. This is the time for you to clean yourself up. This is the time for you to stay focused. This is time for you to avoid any kind of distraction that is going to begin to take you away. This is the time for you to hold God by his words and continue to be in obedience with those words. This is the right time. Amen. I love the scripture in John 14 verse 21. It says, those who accept my commandment and obey them 
are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. This is how we get more revealed. This is how we get closer to God. When we obey his commandment. His commandment is what connects us to him. If you want to abide in God's presence in this time, because we need his presence in this time. More than ever, we need God's presence in this time. No, we are in a situation where the government is helpless. The, the whole world is helpless right now. Scientists are helpless. Everybody is at a state where we do not even know how to go on from here. There is nothing that we need better than the presence of God in our lives. We need that activated presence. We need to be able to stay conscious of his directions, of his instructions in a time like this. And lastly, how do we abide in God's presence? We need to engage his presence through prayers. This is the time to pray more. This is not the time to complain so much more. This is not the time to, to give up. This is not the time to begin to run away from your faith. There is no help anywhere else. It's only in God that we can find hope. And so I just want to encourage you, this is the period when you need to um, begin to focus more in prayers and begin to communicate with your father. Begin to, to tell him your mind. It's waiting, it's waiting to listen to you. Let me tell you, as a father, when my children, when they pull me aside and say they, they, and say they want to have a conversation with me, I am immediately excited because I just feel that they, they have something that they want to tell me. I, I can hardly wait to be of help to them. God is waiting for you. This is the time for you to lift him up in prayer. This is the time for you to cry unto our father. So I just want to encourage you that you can engage the spirit of the Lord through prayers. This is the time to be more fervent in your prayers. Hallelujah. Amen. The book of Psalm 16 verse 11 said, You will show me the paths of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. Aren't you just motivated about God's presence in your life? How do you feel just knowing that God has got your back? There's so much that comes with God's presence, especially in a time like this. The psalmist said His presence will give you total peace. It guarantees peace and joy. You know, the feeling that I know in my heart that Weeping may endure through the night, but joy will come in the morning for me because I serve a God that is faithful. You see, the joy and the peace that surpasses understanding, the kind of peace that when people have lost their peace and you are still standing, still looking into the face of God, they are wondering, what are you putting your hope on? I wish somebody can get close to you and you can tell them that your hope is in the Lord. His presence in times of trial brings us comfort. His presence in times of trials guarantees his blessings. You see, God is waiting. God is using this period to show himself mighty. This is the period that God is ready to show the world that I am God. 
and all things are possible with me. This is the time for God to shine and, 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 and let the unbelievers begin to see that this is the only way. His presence in times of trials guarantees divine connections. This is the time that God is going to begin to navigate you and connect you to a place of hope and to, to, to a path that help will come. You know, because of God's presence that was upon Joseph, Joseph had a divine connection in the prison with the butler. It was that same butler that connected Joseph to the highest authority in the land. I mean, everything was all pre-planned by God to happen. But just like God comes true for us every time through people. That's why we always say that you cannot do life without people. So this is the time for you to be more consigned and more conscious of relationship, how you treat people, how, how you connect with people, how you stay in touch with people matters. Because in this period, when God is getting ready to navigate you to the next level, he's going to use somebody. Have you ever imagined if Joseph had attitude with that butler in the prison? If he just didn't care about them and just pushed them aside as nobody? I'm assuring you that God is getting ready to connect you divinely to a relationship that will finally bring you before a destiny ever in Jesus' name. I just want us to be conscious. His presence in times of trials guarantees our connection to purpose. I'm talking about God's presence in times of trial, friends. Why is it important? Why is it relevant? In the midst of the pain that you are going through, now God is going to divinely connect you to a place of purpose. Who will ever imagine that somebody who was sold as a slave will become a prime minister in another town? I don't even know where you are right now and you are feeling that you have lost it all. How, you, how do you know that this is not the least that the world will ever know about you? God is getting ready to launch you to a higher ground. He's disconnecting you from this low ground. I just want you to wake up and be sensitized in your heart. I just want you to begin to see that you're going somewhere in this period. This is not a time to lose your mind, friends. This is not a time for you to, you know, I, I, if you have to shut down the news, just do it. If you have to stop listening to news, just do it. I've heard a lot of people say they, they, they can't watch TV anymore because it's increasing their, their anxiety. And it's okay for you to stop watching. But when you stop watching, then what are you doing? You better be looking at the word of God because it's, it's report is the report that you should believe. His report is the report that is relevant for your next level in Jesus' name. I just want to encourage us today. I don't know 
your experience. I don't know what you have been going through. But I just want to assure you that the Spirit of the Lord is in you. His presence is wholesome upon your life. And you are going to make it true in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Matthew 28, verse 20, the scripture said, and this was Jesus talking to his friends, his disciples, as he was sending them forth. He said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments. He has already told them to go into the world from 19. Let teach them all to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this. I just want you, wherever you are at home, just listen to this part. He said, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of age. So if you are still home, just imagine in your mind, yeah, Joseph had the presence of God, but do I have the presence of God? Am I a carrier of God's presence? That's the word of the Lord. Jesus said, I will be with you always. In times of pandemic, in times of racial tension, whatever it is, Jesus is assuring you that he will be with you always. Even unto the end of age. And I can assure you, my friends, he's still keeping that promise in your life. So I want you to just be stirred up in your spirit. Get up from your sober moment and just begin to celebrate the fact that you are not in this alone. That the Lord is with you. That Jesus is in this with you. And you are coming out strong in Jesus' name. There's something that I want us to remember in that scripture of Matthew 28 verse 20. And I always like to use this as an opportunity to invite you to the new the relationship. The relationship that I found myself in many years ago and I've never looked back. The relationship with Jesus. Now Jesus was giving these instructions to his friends. To those that have done life with him. To those that have left everything to follow Jesus. Jesus was giving that instruction to the disciples. So this instruction is available for everybody but not accessible by everybody. You can only assess this if you have a relationship with Jesus. When Jesus said, I will be with you, he's telling those that belong to him that he will be with them. Do you belong to Jesus? Are you born again? Are you a child of God? I tell you what, it's not such a big tax. As a matter of fact, Jesus made it easier than anybody can make you a friend. I said, if I, want, if I have to choose you as a friend, it would probably be harder because my criteria will be so much. I'm going to definitely choose my friends. But you see, Jesus lowered the standard and said, you can come as you are because I have paid the price. So Jesus is meeting you at that common ground in order to take you to a higher ground. Jesus has paid the price. You don't even have to pay anything. All you have to do is to bring your heart to him and say, Jesus, just have me. I just want you to be the Lord over my life. I want your spirit to direct and control the affairs of my life. Jesus, I just want you to hold on to this, the steering of my life and begin to drive me to a place of destiny. It's easy. And Jesus is waiting for you. 
Friends, don't go through this crisis alone because it's not worth it. If help is available, then use it. Jesus is the present help in times of need. We all need him right now more than ever. So I just want to invite you. I invite you into this relationship. Come home to Jesus. I'm going to pray shortly, but I want you to do something for me after, after the prayer. If this is the first time you are connecting with Christ, this is the first time you are thinking that, you know, I, in a time like this, I need Jesus. I need Christ in the midst of this crisis. If this is your first time, I want you to just pick the number on the screen and just test decision to that number. Now what happens is that somebody is going to call you and we're going to congratulate you for this new decision. We're going to pray with you. We're going to do life with you. We all started this journey sometime, somewhere. And the Lord brought people our way to lift us and see us through. You will never do life alone in Jesus' name. And precious Lord, we are so grateful. We will thank you for the assurance of your presence. We thank you because when everything else is stripped, when we are stripped off of everything else, when everything else is taken away from us, we still have you. And you can never be taken away from us. As a matter of fact, you have assured us that even in the midst of storm, you will see us through. Father, our heart is at peace. We have found rest in your word, in your promises that never fails. We thank you because our life post this crisis is going to be even be better than it was before it and Jesus we just want to thank you for everyone that is jumping into a new relationship with you today my brothers my sisters those that are hopping in and just saying Lord I want to follow you wherever they are Lord I just want you to begin to touch them visit them begin to hold their hearts strong and let them have the experience that I've had with working with you all for so many years that I so much cherish. Father, we appreciate you. As we become conscious of your presence in our life, let us begin to abide in it. Let us begin to enjoy your peace. Let our hearts begin to find joy in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. If you can, I want you guys to turn with me to the book of Psalm 34, verse, 11, verse 17 to 20. Psalm 34, verse 17 to 20. Um, we're, we're going to be looking at a, a, a topic that I captured today by the help of the Holy Spirit as holding on to Christ in crisis. Holding on to Christ in crisis. Um, we're going to be reading the scripture from Psalm 34, 17 to 20. It says, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles. I'm sure some of you are wondering, wherever you are, that why should a righteous person face many troubles? Well, the Lord is giving you a heads up that that's the case. But this is the good news. But the Lord comes to the rescue 
each time. And verse 20 says, For the Lord protect the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. What a blessed assurance to have that scripture in a time like this. You know, um, this week was the first time uh, since March. I usually, um, I do a lot of traveling because I have to sometimes walk out of state and, you know, do business or do things out of state sometimes. And this past week was the first time that I was traveling since March. Um, you know, because of the COVID-19, nobody wanted to fly. I didn't want to fly, <laughs> you know, so... Um, this was the first trip. Now, when I got to the airport and I saw the, 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 the emptiness and the, and the sight of depression around everywhere, I was, I was moved emotionally. I felt so sad. I was like, so this really went this far. You know, if you don't leave your home, you really don't know what is happening out there. I said, no wonder people are going through anxiety this period. I was already getting anxious. I mean, I was immediately going into anxiety myself because I could not imagine. Everywhere was so dry. A lot. I mean, at the Jackson Airport is the busiest airport in the world. I mean, for the past three years consecutively, I think it, had, it, it won that title. So for it to be so dry, for it to be so empty, it was mind-blowing. I had to pick up my phone and I called my wife. I said, you can't believe the airport. I mean, I used TSA just for me to be able to check in on time, but this particular day, even a normal line was moving faster than a TSA would have moved on real day. In the plane, everybody was careful. We were just all scared of each other, distancing everywhere. You know, when you sit in the plane, they had to empty it. It's the middle road so you don't get too close to anybody. I was feeling, I was almost feeling depressed in my heart. And I can imagine what a lot of people are going through in this period. But I tell you what's something today, and I want you to take it down. Anxiety comes with life but does not have to run your life. I can take that one more time so you can get it down in your notes. Anxiety comes with life. It's okay to be anxious. It's okay sometimes. Anxiety is just a default. State of response when things begin to happen in the way you never bargained. So anxiety comes with life sometimes. But it should not run your life. And that's why even though I was preparing something else that I was going to get on, I was, when I got to Oklahoma, where I was all, all week, it was as if the Holy Spirit was just pressing on me that if you feel this way, how do you think people are feeling in this period? Talk less of those that have lost their jobs. Talk less of those that have, that, that have had to go for lesser hours in their place of work. How are they feeling? I love something in John 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. 
you know, with Christ on our side, everything will be okay. So that's what I just want you to tell anybody that is close by, I mean, it might be six feet away from you, whatever the case is, just tell them that everything will be okay. You know, I began as the Lord led my heart to that scripture, as that scripture fired into my spirit, and I was reading John 16, 33 over and over again, I was having this assurance in my heart that everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. If only we can hold on to Christ in this crisis. And I want us to um, begin to look at coming out even better as believers than the way we were when we came in here. So I'm going to be talking to us today um, from something um, very, very important to us in a time like this. There's so much going on in the country. Now, pandemic is one side. The racial tension is another one. Everybody is so tense right now. You know, the workplace is beginning to innovate and things are beginning to change. Even when everything becomes stable, a lot of things will have to change. And we have to, we have to change along with it. And you know what? change brings to our life is anxiety because nobody really really feel comfortable going through change so let me ask you this how do we survive in time of crisis that's one of the things that came to my mind as i was preparing as I was sitting down and pondering, because when I got to other, the other side of town, it was even worse because I realized that Alfie Jackson was even better <laughs> than the airport in Oklahoma. Every was, everywhere was like, it's, it's as if Jesus just came and there was rapture in that place. The only reason why I didn't think there might have been rapture there is because I'm still around. Because rapture, if rapture should come, I would, defi I would definitely, I will, I will go with it. I don't know about you. No, my son, my son asked me that question um, the other time when this whole pandemic thing or when everybody was closing up and everybody was, the street was empty and it was like, that how are we going to know if rapture comes? I don't know if it was my son that asked me that or my wife, I can't even remember. One of my family members said, how are, you, how are we going to know if rapture comes? And I said, if rapture comes, you will know because, you will know because we will be gone, I will be gone. Don't you think you will be gone? We're not going to be here wondering where are other people. Of course, we'll go with them in Jesus' name. As long as you have Jesus in your life, you'll not miss rapture in Jesus' name. How to survive in time of crisis? How do we survive in time of crisis? I really want us to um, take the, the short time that we have for today's sermon to just ponder on how do we come out through this. My wife says something that I love so much. She says, going through the fire and coming out without smelling, smelling smoke. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't have said it better than her. You know? And as Christians, that's, the, the Lord wants us to be equipped enough to understand some of the demands of this season. That what are the things that we need to put into place? What are the things that we need to take seriously that will enable us to come out among those that will be celebrated even after now? Now remember that this trial, this challenge is happening to everybody. The scripture did not give us an exemption um, status. It didn't say that only believers, no. The Bible said when you go through, there is no assurance that 
you will never go through. A lot of people come into that kind of toxic faith um, thinking that once I start following Jesus, everything will be perfect. I wish the same way. But you need to understand if you read your Bible that those that followed Jesus even from the beginning, you know, had to take a cross. But the good news is that we are overcomers through Christ. That even when everybody else goes through this, Jesus is going to pick you out and single you because your life must bring glory to him. Amen. How to survive in time of crisis? How do we survive? The number one thing, if you want to put that, that down in your notes, is to put your heart in the right place. You want to put your heart in the right place. In a time like this, when everybody is distracted, when people, people's minds are wandering, this is the time to put your heart in the right place. You know, there was a time in my life when I was growing up as a little boy. And uh, back then in Africa, there was this period in time when it became so dangerous. How there and there was a lot of robbery and killings and so many things going on. I remember then that my, my dad had a gun in the house. So, you know, my dad was standing his ground, as, you, as we say in the United States. He had, he, had, he had his own gun. And I remember as a little boy, my heart was so much on that gun that nobody's going to come and mess with us because dad will kill them and dad will take care of them. So as a little child, I had some kind of peace. You know, where you put your heart is where your confidence comes from. So I had confidence that my dad can protect us. Until a day in school when I was with a group of friends and we're talking and they were talking about a particular parent that, you know, robbers came. Armed robbers came to the house of that particular man and they actually took his gun and killed him with his own gun. Immediately my heart <laughs> left the security of my father's gun. I was like, oh my God, it's even, it's even more dangerous that my father has a gun. What else can I count on? That was the only time I could remember that maybe I should, maybe I should pray and God will be begin to protect us. So my mind shifted from the limitation of my father's ability to give me security. I began to focus on God because I know that God can protect me. God can give me total coverage than my parents could in that season. So where is your heart? In a time like this, you need to place your heart in the right place. If your heart is on your job, if all you've ever boasted on and if all you have, you know, you, you pride yourself on and your confidence is on, is that job that you have. Guess what? 40 million people have heartbreak right now. So where is your heart? If your heart is in, if your heart is placed on your skills and you think I'm on demand and I'm the, I'm one of the best in my industry, they're going to look for me anyways. Guess what? That can fail you as well. In a time like this, you have to place your heart in the right place. If your heart is in that savings, the saving account might not be able to save you. I've seen people 
with over 30 years of savings. I know a particular person over 30 years of savings and just one sickness, one, one health problem, the whole account was drained for medicals. You have to put your heart in the right place. Nobody knew this better than David. You know, in, Psalm, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 20 verse 7, he says, some put their, put their trust in chariots and some in horses and so on and so forth. But he gave us a better option. He said, but we should put our heart in the Lord alone because that's the only one that cannot fail. No wonder God called him the man after, my, after his own heart. Because David had his heart in the right place. Where is your heart in a time like this? Hallelujah. Amen. You see, when we put our heart in a, in, 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 on God, when we put our heart on loving God, and when we put our heart on hoping in the Lord alone, let me tell you what happens to us according to Romans 8.28. The Bible said, and we know that God causes everything, including the close-up, the pandemic, the racial tension, everything will work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So put your heart in the right place in this time, my friends. It's one of the ways for us to hold on to Christ in times of crisis. The number two thing, if you are taking down note, I want you to take down note is to remember his assurance remember as we have read in scriptures that he has promised let me tell you god's integrity is at stake here if he says he will see you through when you are in trouble now you are in trouble is he going to back out no that's not god god is never going to demand faithfulness in you if he is not faithful himself so you need to continue to have this confidence in you. And it's just one of the things that just gives me peace is the fact that God is... Let me tell you something. My, I, I was talking with my kids, um, my middle child, um, Tammy, that's his name. And, you know, cool, awesome guy. And I was talking to him and I said, um, I, I, I can't remember how that conversation went, but... It has to do, we got to a point and I was like, what do you, what is it that you can say about me? Just one thing that you can say about me. I know you have so many things. I was trying to feel good with myself. I said, I know you have so many things about me, but tell me one thing that you can say about your dad. And he said, dad, you keep your promise. I said, wow. I didn't even know. <laughs> I thought I failed you more than enough for you to, not to even say that. He said, no, dad, you keep your promise. Every time I've noticed it, you always keep your promise, you, you know, somehow. I said, oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's me. I mean, that's just me, human. God is so faithful. God is so faithful. So one of the things that brings you peace in a time like this is to remind yourself of his assurances, his promises that it will never leave you or forsake you in time of crisis now this is supposed to form the basis of your prayers when you're praying you need to begin to remember god father you promised that when i go through trials and sorrows lord i am in it right now how about we'll, we'll begin to see your face how about you begin to show up now god remembering god's assurance should form a basis for your prayers 
Romans 8.35 says, Can anything ever separate us from, from Christ's love? Does it, mean by, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecution or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? For your sake, we are, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Amen. And 38 says, and I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Anxiety cannot separate you. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the head below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you what a loving father does. And thank God it's Father's Day. A loving father will do anything for the good of their children. As a matter of fact, let me tell you, what we do in the life of our children is actually what gives an impression of who we are. My, myself and my wife, let me tell you something. We always remind our kids every time. I mean, it's something that we were all reminded when we were growing up. I remember when I was growing up, my father would tell me, if you make a wrong call, if you take the wrong decision or you make a wrong choice in life, Remember, there is a name at stake. The Ajibo is. So we always tell our kids. So you know, sometimes when you think your children have done something terribly wrong, the first thing that, you, that easily comes to your mind is that they will embarrass you. God is a good God. He knows that people will judge. I mean, you're going to be, God is going to be judged by the way your life turns out. That's why I said, let your light shine. So others will see you and give glory to your father in heaven god wants to look good when you look good Be rem remember and number three if you are taking down notes in a time like this how do you survive in crisis speak the right words i'm sure someone will say amen to that speak the right words this is the time to speak the right words you know, one of the things the devil will do now is to put the wrong words in your mouth. I'm finished. This is it. I can't make it any further. You know, things like that. You must forbid it as a believer. This is time to speak the right word. Some people are already speaking post-COVID-19 stories. That post-COVID-19 is going to be terrible. Oh, people will never come. Risk. No way. You even have no idea what will happen. You don't even know if your life will be better after, after COVID-19. Speak the right word. There was a point in the scripture when God understood the danger in the word that, come, that is going to come out of the mouth of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. He had to be made quiet. See the manifestation of God's promise over his family. God does not want you to ruin your opportunity with the words of your mouth. You see, in Proverbs 18, verse 21, the Bible said the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So, I, so my encouragement to you is that this period begin to speak life into your situation. This situation is, a, is we, are, we are in a deadly situation right now. But the only thing that the situation needs is not, is not more injury to kill it the more. is the word of life. 
It is well with me in Jesus' name. I can make it through in Jesus' name. I'm courageous. I'm going to take the next step boldly, like a soldier that I am. This is the period when you stand tall and you raise, lift your shoulder high, knowing very well that staying in that state of remorse and that state of pain and sorrow will not change your situation. The only thing that will change your situation is bringing Christ in that crisis. You know, one of my favorite prayer um, that I usually pray is that God should filter the words of my mouth. You want to put that down as your everyday prayer point. Lord, filter the words of my mouth today. Let me not contradict my destiny with my mouth. Because the scripture cannot be broken. It said, Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue can bring death and bring life. What is your tongue bringing to you? Psalm 19, verse 14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That is David. No, no wonder God <laughs> boasted of David as the man of time. David just understood exactly the things that connect to God. He was a good speaker. He spoke positive. He even asked God to help him. Help me to speak right. Help the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable to you. Because there are words of our mouth that is not acceptable to God. When you say, I'm finished, when you say, this, I've, this finally got me. You don't say those kind of words. The meditation that is not acceptable to God is your worries, your anxiety. Amen. The fourth thing that I want us to, to do in a time like this is to identify the real enemy. I was speaking to a friend of mine um, two weeks ago, and we we're talking about this whole racial tension in the country. And we're just trying to share some prayer points that we can be praying for the for the for the nation. And I said to to him, I said, even as we want to pray for the nation, let us remember to identify the real enemy. The real enemy is not the person of the other race. The real enemy is the devil. The only person that profits from racial tension is the devil. He's the only one that wants to kill, kill the agenda of God to have a multicultural nation. It's the devil. It's the devil. The real enemy, why your marriage is in trouble, why is your marriage is on the edge, why, to, why, why you, are, you, are, you are thinking seriously about going to, the, to, to, to get a divorce, it's not the man, it's not the woman. The real enemy is the devil. The cost of the adultery that is making you sane is enough, is the devil. You were laid off from work. Your employer is not the enemy. I'm a business owner. Maybe your employer is even trying to survive. And say, you know what? If, if we will survive, people have to leave. The real enemy is the devil. So know the right place to put your anger and your frustration is to cry unto the Lord who is able to defeat the devil on your behalf. 
So in a time like this, we need to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and power. We need to sit down in this period. We need to begin to say that, that devil, take your hands off my business. Take your hands off my career. Take your hands off my marriage. If you are a parent and you think your child is going crazy, driving you crazy, your child is bringing so much embarrassment, the child is not the enemy. He's the devil. There is only one that profits. The Bible said he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There's only one that profits from the sorrow and the misfortune of your, any household. And that one person is the devil. So we need to stand strong at the gate. We need to stand strong with our whole armor as believers, especially in a time like this. Hallelujah. Amen. 1 Peter 5, 8, verse 8, 8 to 10 says, Stay alert. He said, Watch out for your great enemy. <laughs> That's, I think he took it a little further than I was even taking it. He says, Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a rolling lion. Like a rolling lion. I always tell people, when you read that, it's not a lion, though. There's only one lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's your father. But the devil is around like a lion. Wannabe. The devil is the wannabe. Looking for someone to devour. Now verse 9 says, Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And verse 10 said, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, it will restore. Now say amen if you are home there. It will restore, it will support and strengthen you and it will place you on a firm foundation. Hallelujah. Doesn't, doesn't that just make you feel good? That you are not in this alone? That Jesus is in the boat with you while the storm is just busy? Don't you just feel good? Hallelujah. The last point before we pray how do you survive in a time of crisis choose your actions you know you must guide your actions to align with your faith there is a what, what I call this what I call performance gap a lot of time among believers when you you know as a believer if you all you do is just pray 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 you are not in any way of more advantage to the person who doesn't pray but walk 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 now for that person who walk 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 and doesn't pray and doesn't believe in christ doesn't do anything the only thing is that as long as he's here he's going to reap of his his also but the scripture said what will it profit him if he gains everything and loses soul and you are you love the lord you love jesus you're going to go to heaven yes you are rich but here let me tell you what the scripture said. I'm not the one. I didn't say it. 2 Thessalonians 3, 11 to 12. This is Apostle Paul. Talking to a group of believers like us. He said, yet we hear that some of you are living an idle life. You're living idle lives. Refusing to walk and meddling in other people's business. 
we command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to end their own living. The only way out of this crisis is for you to choose your actions. Don't just, don't just, don't just be praying about a job when you don't have a resume, friends. This is not the time to be claiming profit in a business that you will not pick your call. Because your pastor said on Sunday that claim millions and you are beginning to claim millions. But the last service that you gave to a, a, a customer, they couldn't even get anything out of it. Your action is not aligned with your claims. So, you need to begin to align your faith, your actions with your faith. A friend of mine, Pastor Ben, said a long time ago in one of his books, he said, he said, a faith that does not place responsibility on you is an irresponsible faith. I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Choose your actions in this period. This is the time for us to drop idleness. This is the time for us to drop laziness. This is the time for us to drop backward thinking. This is not the time for you to think same, same, same. A lot is going to change after now. I think it's, it's more techie people going to be on demand than go get techie. Upgrade your career, upgrade your moves, get a certificate, do something new. Let your actions be in the direction of God's plan for your life in this period. Hallelujah. Lastly, I'm going to read from Psalm 37, 34, verse 17 to 19. It says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And I love this last part. He said, the righteous person faces many troubles. The righteous person. So, for me, it doesn't look like a promise for everybody. The righteous person faces many trouble but the Lord comes to rescue each time you know when I love to say that those who can't God is accountable Jesus is accountable to those who count on him I don't know who you are counting on are you counting on the Lord because the last part of that scripture says the righteous, even when they have the same experience like everybody else, he comes to their rescue. I think the most blessed assurance, the most way to be comfortable and at peace in our life is to be sure that we are aligned ourselves with Christ. Is to be sure that we are holding Christ in the midst of this crisis. The only reason why this crisis will not consume us it's because we are holding on to Christ. And so it's my invitation to you if you know that you do not have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you. I want to beg you. I want to appeal to you. It's one of the greatest decisions of my life. I made it so many years ago and I've never looked back. 
It's getting sweeter and sweeter for me. It's a relationship that I cherish so much. If you know me and you're close enough with me, you will know that God and family is a big deal for Ayo. I just want to encourage you. This is the time to step forward. He said the righteous person faces many troubles. So irrespective of what you are facing now, if you have Jesus, as I would usually tell my friends, it's a piece of cake. You're coming out strong. Like my wife will say, you are coming out of the fire and you're not going to smell smoke. Because you have Jesus. You know who a righteous person is? A righteous person is somebody who is standing right with God. A righteous person is somebody who has Jesus. I'm going to pray with you. Precious Father, we, we thank you so much that we can count on you in times like this. We're so grateful because we can lean back and just hold your word close to our hearts. Because counting on Christ in crisis is counting on the word of Christ. And thank you because your word is able to save. Your word is able to deliver. Thank you because your word is able to bring life. Father, we hold ourselves high before you and we just speak to every situation of our life in this season, oh God. We ask, Lord, that you will let the consciousness in our mind that we have a warrior, a victorious God in, on our side. Let this consciousness begin to break us away from every influence of anxiety in a time like this. We love you, Jesus. We love you so much. And our greatest desire is to love you even more. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, one career that easily relates with the life of a believer is a career called the career of a broker. Um, there are so many types of brokers. You have stock brokers and you have real estate brokers and you have, you know, financial brokers and so, so on and so forth. Even myself as a brand consultant, I always believe and I know that I'm also, you know, a broker. And, and you ask me how? Um, because my job, a broker, is an intermediary between a seller and a buyer. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be more relational with my circle um, as a business person. Um, you know, when Jesus was in the circle of fishermen, he was making illustration with fishing and making illustration with farmers in terms of seed. Just so, just... Just don't turn me off, okay? Just hear me out. Just hear me out now. Don't turn me out and listen to me. And so, for me, as a brand consultant, one of the things that I do in my business is to help other businesses, you know, locate solutions that will make their business better. And so, what we do is that we look for marketing solutions that are important, that are necessary for businesses, and we bring it to fulfill the needs of businesses when businesses are struggling. This is what brokers do. You know, brokers will 
bring a solution and give, bring it to the ones that need it. That's why they are the intermediary between the seller and the buyers. I'm going to read something to you from the book of Luke 4, 18. Um, every time I read this scripture, I call it the personal mission statement of Jesus. This is Jesus' Jesus's personal mission statement. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news. In other words, bring hope. As some other versions will say. To the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be set free. Yes, in other words, he has sent me to bring freedom, to, to speak freedom into your lives. That the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. So this is like Jesus' personal mission statement. Jesus is saying that in a snapshot, in, in, a, in a very short statement, this is what I represent, this is what my life is about, this is who I am. I don't know how many of us have mission, personal mission statement. A long time ago, I drafted my personal mission statement that my greatest mission on earth is to know Christ and to make him known. And that's why I prioritize my relationship with Jesus because the only way I can know him is to have a relationship with him. And the only way I can make him known is what I'm doing now. That's why nobody had to beg me. Nobody had to encourage me. Nobody had to pump me up to be a teacher of the world. It's a, it's a personal mission, so we are propelled by our personal mission in life. So the mission of Jesus Christ, according to that Luke 4, 18, is that Jesus is a hope giver. He has come to bring hope to a world that needs it so desperately. And all that we represent as believers is sharing in the personal vision of Jesus Christ. All that we represent as believers is coming to a point in our life where we sit down and say, okay, if this is important to Jesus, then it must be important to me. You know, in the book of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the Bible said, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They, they are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Come on, say amen. You know, one of my best um, I, I mean, I've said this over and over again. So, much, so many of you know the characters that, that I'm more passionate about in the Bible. Um, there are some parts of the Bible. How many of you agree with me that there are some parts of the Bible that, that is really boring to read? How many of you know? You've been there, right? And it begatted, and it begatted, and begat you know, I just keep them sometimes. <laughs> Even though are, you know, everything is important for us somehow. But there are just some areas that you need. You know, so I have my selected superstars in the Bible, you know, like a little child. I have my own heroes. And one of them is Apostle Paul. And there is something very particular about Apostle Paul that I discovered as I began to follow his teachings. I realized that Apostle Paul had a kind of attitude of Christ in him that would make him neglect his own immediate circumstances and challenges and focus on giving hope to other people. Apostle Paul was a hope broker. That's who we should be. You know, most of the Thanksgiving scriptures you must have read in the, you know, all the various letters of Apostle Paul, the Corinthians, Colossians, and all of them that you would have read. Do you know that most of those things were written with this guy on chains in the prison? 
Who gives hope to somebody who is outside while he's in the prison? Who will be, who will be in problem giving hope to somebody who has a better place or situation at that point? It was amazing. And those are some of the things that captured from Apostle Paul that was unique about him. He was talking about thanksgiving. How can you be thankful yourself when your, your head is probably going to be chopped off? So what am I saying here? Some of us here, we are preoccupied with our current crisis. We are so occupied. Oh, my hours at work has reduced. Oh, I, I, I can't relate well with my friends anymore. I've been missing so many parties because I can't go to parties anymore because of pandemic and all that. We are so preoccupied with our own problem. We are not like Apostle Paul, thinking that even in the midst of my crisis, how can I give hope to others? We are hope brokers. Our job is to locate hope from the source of hope and give it to those that need it through our lives. Jesus was the classic example of a hope broker, even as a hope giver himself, as the source of hope. Even while he was hanging on the cross in pains, he was still giving comfort to his mother and the disciples and giving hope to a thief on the cross. That today you will be with me in paradise. In other words, don't sweat it. Just forget after this pain there is something more glorious. How many of us are hope givers in the house? It's the greatest vocation that Jesus wants you to get into in a time like this. How do we respond in a time of crisis? Our greatest responsibility is to begin to see this as an opportunity to give Christ to people. You know, Dr. Tywood said something very unique in that forum last week. She said that this is probably the best time that evangelism can ever have. People need Christ in their crisis, friends. So, how do we begin to offer it? You know, she said we should begin to leverage the opportunity and advantage that we have in a time like this when everybody has given up hope. There's no more hope in the government. There's no more. Well, even, you know, science will tell us today that, you, you, you know, it's some, you contact this through this means. Tomorrow they'll tell us they just discovered. So we can't even bet enough on science. Even as much as I appreciate science, I don't want us. We're not going to be part of that generation that think, you know, science is nonsense. Jesus gave us science. So do the doctors, doctors there, a lot of them are doing what they even have no idea about because they have been inspired by a force. But my point to you today, brethren, is how do you want to be like Jesus in a time like this? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm not getting a good response. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm preaching better than you guys are responding. Hallelujah. Come on now. You are a hope broker. That's who you are. If you can walk out of here today having in your mind that there is one vocation that nobody can take away from you. There is one vocation that you're going to, that Jesus is keeping account and keeping records of your faithfulness. That is in your ability to broker hope to other people. In the midst of your hurting, in the midst of your pain, being able to look at another person and say, it's well, it is well with you. Jesus is going to see you through. Taking hope 
from the giver of hope and giving it to those that desperately need it, need it in this time. That's one of our responsibilities, friends. I just want to encourage you today. It's one of our responsibilities. Praise the Lord. And you're sitting down there and just wondering in your mind, okay, I, 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 I think I love this concept of being a hope broker. I, I think I'm going to do... I'm going to do an official badge and I just write my name, Ayo Ajibo, a hope broker. You know, I'm going to have an official tag and signature. I, I love this whole concept of waking up every day and telling myself, how many people am I going to give hope today? I, I love this idea of me um, taking responsibility and saying, Lord, can you, can you just send me to somebody who is seriously broken today that I can call and, and give them hope? Even though God knows, Jesus is aware of your own challenges. A response like that makes us uncommon, friends. That's the only way we can be uncommon. Because the common response is to focus on my own pains. The common response is to pray for myself first. I mean, this is all about me. I want to be well. I don't care about other people. That's a, it's a default response of human. But you remember the series that we have been coming through is what is the crisis response expected of a believer? Praise the Lord. I'm going to share with you some few points, about three points on how you can share your hope in a time like this. How you can function as hope giver, or I mean hope broker in a time like this. If, you, if you're taking that note, this is the best time to jump on that note. The number one thing, you know, is through the words. Through the word, Through our words, we can share hope. You know, we have a lot of restriction now when people... You can't lay hands on people. Um, you try to be careful. You don't go to visit people anymore um, because you are careful. There are so many people I would have loved to go visit. I had some of my favorite, you know, faithful, you know, passionate team members here that graduated. I couldn't go and celebrate in their home. It hurts me so bad. But even in absence of that, how can we share hope in a time like this? How can we function effectively as hope brokers in a time like this? The number one thing is to share that hope through our words. And when, I don't mean your text message, I mean through your word. In other words, pick up the phone and call someone. You know, it's interesting. One of the, one of the most fun times that I usually tell my wife, and she, she, she will bear witness with that, I, I get one kind of childlike excitement when people call me and say, this is, <laughs> I mean, People calling me, I, to the glory of God, I, I don't know, I think I'm fine. But when somebody calls to say, I'm just checking up on you, I'm just trying to reach out to see how you're doing, it gives me so much joy. Talk less of how it will feel for somebody who really needed that call so badly. Sometimes I just tell my wife, I say, oh, so-so person just called me. How sweet. Pick up the phone and call. How about you make a list in the, in, the, in the beginning of the week and say, this week I'm just going to call some friends. Let me check up on them. I don't know how they are coping. How about you call someone who has not heard your voice in a long time and say, hey, I'm just calling you to let you know that irrespective of what is going on, Jesus has got your back. Do you know how far that will go? How about calling them to reassure them 
that the hope giver is still on their side. See, calling people, especially in this generation, sometimes I've had situations when I feel that sometimes people feel that you are, you are, you know, you are disturbing them when you call them. I get it. It's kind of a challenge. But you'll be surprised how far that one call, even if it's 60 seconds, will last for someone who desperately needs it. Giving people a sense of hope and a sense of belonging that somebody is thinking of them. It might just even be a call to say, hey, I just said I should check up on you. How can I pray for you? I'm, I'm just making a list of some, some prayers that I'm, I'm going to get into this week. How, how, can, how will you like me to pray for you? Do you know the hope you will give somebody when you say that? Somebody just sitting down and knowing that someone out there is praying for me. Someone out there is wishing that everything will be well with me. The book of Psalm 119, verse 114 says, You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. So as an old broker, we connect others to the word of hope. That's our job. The psalmist said, your, 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 your word is the source of my hope. In other words, there is, I'm hopeless without the word of God. So as believers, it's our job to connect people to the source of hope when they are hopeless. I've seen someone who, who felt so bad about someone else who committed suicide. And she said she's so frustrated because she felt that there might be one word that she could have told that person. Amen. Romans 10, 14 says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How can people know that there is hope? How can people hear about the ability of Christ to deliver them if somebody is not saying it? If there is no hope broker, if there's no broker in between, if there's no intermediary, who would take people and connect them to a source of hope? Can somebody here today, just live here today, um, committing to the fact that I'm going to take a break from looking at my situation? I don't have the worst situation, but I just think somebody out there will need hope, and I want to give it to, to them. And as you begin to give out hope, hope begins to go and come around, because what goes around comes around. And you begin to have more hope than you can ever ask for, because you are broken it out. To others. How to share hope with others in times of crisis? Through our deeds. Amen. First John 3 verse 17 says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Don't just tell people that I will pray for you. Don't just tell people that, you know, Oh, the, it is well with you. I mean, it is well. It's very convenient what to say as believers. If somebody says, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a situation, it's, oh, it is well. The Lord can do it. The scripture is telling us that sometimes when we are, have a little bit of disposition, let's extend good deeds to people. How about there? How about I just wire $20 into your account? How about can you send me your 
your, your, your ID. I want to just wire $10 into your account for gas. I'm not going on the high numbers now. Everybody I see sitting here can afford to do that for someone. How about living life beyond ourselves and living life for others? Do you know what it is when somebody's life is better every day because you are alive? Through our deeds. Number three, through the hope in us. I'm going to conclude on that point. How to share our hope. We share our hope through the hope that people see in us. You know, the scripture in the book of 1 Peter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter 3, verse 15 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain. In other words, make hope visible in your life and people will connect to hope. How can you share hope in a time like this? Let people see. Let, let me tell you, some people will get by by just seeing you get by. And, and more than any time in the world, the, the time that people always look at Christians are in times of crisis because they're watching you. They think, they're trying to see how you respond. Whether you like it or not, unbelievers might not tell you, but Christians are peace setters. Christians are, are, are in the front. So unbelievers are always like, let me see how these Christians are responding to this crisis. So some people are just looking at you. No matter how, I learned this earlier as a parent, no matter how much pressure we have financially in the house, the last person that we show that pressure in the house is me. I mean, the, the, years ago when sometimes it gets so hard that you're not even sure if you can afford the next set of groceries that we need in the house. I went through all that crisis in my life as well. And when I'm getting close to the house, I, I remember how we just freshen up my face and say that, you know, Jesus is working something else for us, guys. You know, because the more hopeless I look, the more hopeless my children, my family will become. Because when this is so beyond daddy that daddy is really hopeless, they say, ah, this one is going to kill us. So I never show myself hopeless. And the truth is that I was never hopeless. People are looking at you. They will see hope through you as you project your hope in Christ. As you raise your head high. As you courageously forge through this crisis. As you begin to make some steps that, you know, people are, you, you are hardly restricted. And they are wondering. One career is looking slow and they see you jumping into another career and you're, you've already started studying and you're saying, man, I'm going to take it off from wherever I, I'm hanging out. And people are looking at you and say, what? And the scripture said, and when, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, when somebody says, my friend, can I talk to you for a minute? Why is it that everybody is stressed and you are just the one just looking so good? You say to them, that I have my hope in the Lord. What a moment of evangelism, guys. 
You see, our actions will speak louder than our words. If you want to tell people how good Jesus is, they will catch it more through your life than through your words. Your faith will be caught better than when you teach it. That's why we say it's better caught than taught. Let them see faith. Let them see your hope. Say amen, someone. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to close up. I'm getting ready to wrap up with some of the benefits. Um, what is in this for me? I don't know how many people like to ask that. I do ask that. When I talked about brokers, brokers make a commission. They make profit. <laughs> they don't just do it. Brokers are always making profit. So what's in it for me? What's in it for me? When I begin to broker hope to people, what's in it for me? Benefits of sharing hope. What are the benefits? Number one is that we help others to cope. We help others to cope. Some people just need that phone call from you before they can get it together and begin to, to rejoice and begin to thank God. Some people just need that hands of kindness that in the midst of this, somebody can still remember me with a gift card to, for me to get gas in my car. That can just be the turning point for them to say, you know what, I, I think that someone is out there. God is going to keep sending people to me. One of the benefits of sharing hope with people is because people need hope to cope. It's in the presence of hope, people will cope. Hallelujah. Just that word is going to be all right. It goes a long way to someone. What are the benefits? Number two, we make Christ visible when we extend hope to others. Christ is visible. People see Jesus when we make hope available to them. We make Jesus visible. How many, how many of you want to make Jesus visible? How many of you are just tired of just talking about Jesus? You just want people to see Jesus in your life. You just want people to see Jesus through your deeds and through what you do. A lot of, I, I find myself a lot of time in corporate settings and where people are. And sometimes I don't even need to talk about my faith. But inside me, I am conscious of the fact that I must hurt my faith. And so at the end of the day, I get, you know, people easily come around to say, are you a pastor? You know, because of the way you talk or the way you speak or the way you do stuff. Amen. We can make Jesus visible when we share hope with people. I see, God has only one established formula, guys. Let me remind you this. Only one established formula on how to help people. And that formula is helping people through people. There's no other formula. That's why I tell you here at Ignite, every time, I, and I can't, I can't get tired of re-emphasizing it, that when God wants to bless you, he sends people into your life. When the devil wants to destroy you, he sends people into your life. People matter in your life. You got to pay attention to people, to your relationship, to what you build, to what you are getting yourself entangled into. That's one of the popular words in circulation now. Amen. So, make the hope giver visible. Finally, we are fulfilling an important part of our calling and purpose when we share hope with people. Remember I told you, that's our vocation as believers. We are hope brokers. We are people 
that have connected to the source of hope. And, and our job is to extend it because Jesus said, I've been anointed to go out and do this. And if you are a follower of Jesus, and if you are sharing vocation with Jesus, our greatest job is to be hope brokers to others. So who are you sharing with? What is the effect of your responsibility as a believer? A lot of people will sit down and say, I don't know my purpose in life. You know, the purpose thing has become a big deal. I don't know what the will of God is for me. Pastor Ayo, can you tell me? I've been praying. You don't have to pray. Just connect. What is important to Jesus? If you make it important to your life, you are living in purpose. Simple. I don't know if I've made it that simple enough. I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen to that. You know, I want you to understand something um, and don't fail to take this away. When you send out hope to others, hope will come around back to you. What goes around truly does come back or it comes around as they say. So I don't know the situation in your life. If you think, if you even feel that you, 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 you are living in a state of hopelessness, how about you abandon whatever you're thinking and begin to give hope to others? Guess what? It will come back to you. When you begin to share the love of Jesus with others and begin to give them his promises and begin to assure them that no matter their situation, Jesus is, on, is in charge and Jesus is able to break every chain that is holding them. Jesus is able to unleash them from every bondage and captivity of the enemy. You will begin to feel what you say. So if you are looking for hope, don't look too far. Give it away. It will come back to you. Hallelujah. First Peter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. There is a hope that is not living, guys, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There is a hope that is not living. And the hope outside of Jesus is a false or dead hope. I don't know what else you've been hoping on. Not even your career. Any hope outside of Jesus is a dead hope. And so if you do not have Jesus in your life, I use this opportunity in the next 30 seconds or so to just bring that first hope to you that Jesus is all you need. I found him decades ago and I've never looked back. It's been the biggest, the best decision in my life. Let me tell you something. I've taken a lot of decisions in my life. Some got me into trouble. Some were not that good. I'm not so proud of some. But one decision that I celebrate every day in my life is the day I made up my mind to follow Jesus. And so I don't know about you. If you are not yet and you've not made that decision, this is the time. I'm inviting you to the altar of mercy. Don't judge yourself because Jesus is not going to get into that business of judging you. That's not what he, he doesn't do that. I want to take this prayer with me. 
Say, Jesus, I, I surrender myself to you. I have heard it now and I've always heard it before that you are the source of hope. And in my life, I need hope to cope. I need you so desperately right now. Not only for myself, but for my friends. For everyone around me, my neighbors, everyone that needs to connect to the joy of following you. I'm yielding my heart to you, Jesus. I want you to come into my heart and just take me to another level from now. Let my life begin to bring glory to your name. I want to be a hope broker. But how can I give hope to others when I feel hopeless myself? Thank you because you are worthy to be praised. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.